and we're back today, and y'all, I am so excited to start off this new year with a new series, and when we get into this series, I want to give you a mantra for this series, okay? And here it is. Here, here's what I want us to get out of this, okay? I believe in 2023, okay? And put the emphasis on believe. I believe in 2023. I want y'all to say that with me on the count of three. Are you ready? One, two, three. I believe in 2023. One more time. I believe in 2023. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that right now. Say, I believe in 2023. I'm going to believe. Now, the reason that I say this is because we're going to go into this series called God of Miracles. And I believe that God's got a word for you today. And I believe that God wants to do something in your life in this new year. You see, there's this great story of when Jesus was near the end of his ministry and he's gathered with his disciples and they're in the upper room and they're having their last meal and he's going through his last teachings with them. And he knows everything that's about to happen, right? He knows that he's about to be taken. He knows that the death and the resurrection is ahead. He knows that the emotional roller coaster that they're going to be on, that they're going to be up and they're going to be down and they're not going to know what's coming next. He knows that he's going to ascend into heaven. That they're going to have to move forward with the presence of the Holy Spirit, but not with his physical presence any longer, right? And he knows that this is going to be different, and it's going to be confusing, this new start that they're going to have. And so he says this in John 14, 1. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. He's looking at the disciples, and he's like, you believe in God, right? And they're like, yes, yes. And he's like, well, believe in me. Knowing the trouble that's going to lie ahead, right? He says, believe in me. Other translations say, trust me. So let me ask you this. As we start this new year, do you think you can do that with 2023? Because I believe, I think that Jesus is saying that to us. Believe in me in 2023, Like, I think he's saying that to you right now. He wants you in this year to believe in him, believe that he can work, believe that he is a God of miracles because some of us need a miracle, right? We need him to work. We need him to move. We need him to guide. We need him to break through in our lives. And I think some of you, he's saying that to you today. He's saying, don't be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. And some of y'all are troubled. Some of us are troubled. Most of us are troubled. Most of us need God to work somewhere, somehow, some way in our life. Because what we're doing with 2022 is that we're taking it right into the new year in 2023. And maybe you need a miracle in a relationship. Maybe you need a miracle in your finances. Maybe you need a miracle to happen that will allow you to let go of this past action that you just can't seem to get rid of out of your mind. Maybe you need a miracle to heal family dynamics. Whatever the case is, I, I believe in a God that still works miracles, right? And sometimes that miracle is tangible, right? Like sometimes God will break into your life physically, like right here. Here is the answer right in front of you, and it's right there for us. And other times, it's not so much outside us, but rather the miracle that he works is inside us. The work that he does is the transformation of our hearts and healing the brokenness that we have within. So let me ask you, like, where do you need God to work this year in your life? Like, could you face this year 
and not, as Jesus said, not be troubled by it, but rather to believe. Like to have belief that he can and he will do something extraordinary in your life. Because I believe that we still serve a God of miracles. And so that's what we're going to talk about in the series. We're going to look at this series of miracles and what God did and how, he, how Jesus moved and how he worked in people's lives and what we can learn from it. And to start us off today, I want to look at one of the most famous miracles of all. Okay, this is the miracle. It's so big that it's actually recorded in four different books, Matthew uh, Mark, Luke, and John all record, record this. This is the feeding of the 5,000. Even if you've never been to church, you've heard this story before. But maybe what you didn't know was that there were actually more than 5,000 people there. Uh, for those of y'all that aren't familiar with this, back then they used to only record the men that were present. So that means that there were a lot of women and children there as well. So I think that it's probably more likely that maybe there were 15,000, maybe even 20,000 people that were there. That's more than the Columbus Civic Center or the River City or, or the River Center or the Phoenix City Amphitheater. Like it's more than all of that combined. Like there's not a place in Columbus, Georgia that can hold this crowd. So because the multitude was so large and because so many people saw this miracle, like it's one of the big ones, right? Like it's one of the ones that got recorded. It's one that we still talk about today. But what you got to realize is that these miracles that we're going to look at through this series, Jesus didn't really do miracles just to show off, right? He had a point. Right? There was a purpose behind these miracles. And I think in this miracle, what he did was he, he, he teaches us a few principles with this. I, I think he kind of laid out the plan so that we could see how we can ask God to work in our lives. So, so here's the question I want to ask as we begin this series. How can you plan for a miracle? Like, is it possible to plan for a miracle? Like, is it possible to put myself out there or, or to come to God in such a way that I can expect him to work or move or, or provide in this area of my life? Like, what does that kind of look like? And I believe that it's possible to do that. And that's good news. Because, I, as I said before, I think that a lot of us need to see God work in our lives this year. And anytime God moves or works in our lives, it's a miracle. And a lot of us need to see him move in a certain area. And if this is lost on you because you don't have a trouble in 2022 that you're taking into this new year, you're not troubled by anything right now, and you're not really sure that I even need to listen to this, listen, you do, because if you don't need a miracle right now, you will one day. Like, you will be in trouble because of this world, because of the fallen nature that we have. Like, you'll need this sooner or later, right? So I think it'd be good for everybody to pay attention because what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through some key essentials that we can learn from this story on how to receive God's miracles, on how, on how we can approach God and ask him to move and work in our lives. But before we get into these uh, key essentials, let's, let's familiarize ourselves with the story again, okay? So let's look back at Mark chapter 6. And let's just kind of work through this together, okay? And this is how the story goes. It says this. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. They came to Jesus. And they said, this is a very remote place, they said. And it's already very late. 
Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are are we going to spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Okay, so here's the problem. They've gone way out of this way. Jesus is teaching. Everybody has followed them out there. And you've got all these starving families. It's getting late in the day. And everybody's just getting hungry. And they're getting irritable. You ever been there before? Hungry and irritable? Let me ask you this. Have you ever been hangry before? You know what I'm talking about? Hungry so much that you're angry. Yeah, that's what we're, we're on the precipice of this, right? So imagine 5,000 families, right? And not only just families, but little kids. And they're in the middle of this area, and they're like, we got nothing. Nobody can run to town. Like, we're not in near any little Caesars. Like, what are we going to do, right? So when you have a problem, this is a big problem. When you have a problem, when you're troubled, and you need to see God work, here's what you do, point number one you got to admit that you have a need. Okay, that's the first thing. If you got your message notes, you want to write these down, number one. For those of you that are online, we're so glad that you're with us. You can find those message notes on the app. Number one, you got to admit you have a need. That's where we got to begin. If I want God to work in my life, like if I want to see a miracle happen in this area or that area, i got to admit to God, God, I need Jesus, I need your help. And the reason that we start here is because this is difficult for some people to do. Like, not just some people. This is difficult for a lot of people to do. Like, and the reason is, is because we don't like to admit our problems. We don't like to admit our problems to God. We don't like to admit our problems to anybody. Now, what, what we do with our problems is, is we cover them up, or we blame other people, or we pretend they don't exist. But here's a kicker. God promises to work in our life if, if we ask him to. Like, we got to remember that there's this thing called free will. Like, we have a choice in whether or not we go to God with what we have, with what we need. It's just that we choose not to. In fact, your relationship with God is just like any other relationship you have. He says, if you come and you ask, then you'll receive. The brother of of Jesus, James, he puts us this way in James 4, 2. He says, you don't get what you want. And the reason you don't is because you just haven't asked. You haven't asked God. So let let me ask you, are you asking God? That trouble, that problem that you have where you need God to work, where you need God to move, like literally, like have you asked him? Have you asked him? Are you asking him? Because what scripture says is that we got to keep asking, right? Like keep seeking, keep knocking. It's, it's those moments and how we approach God our Father that, that it moves his heart to want to move and work in our lives. You know, it's just like any other relationship, just like I said. It's like the relationship I have with my daughters. Of course, I want to do for my daughters. But how much more am I going to be moved if Savannah comes to me and she's like, Dad, I can't. I can't do this unless you step in. Like, I cannot get this done. Like, I am lost in this moment without your help. Like, how much does that light a fire under me? Right? Do do you know that over 20 times in Scripture, it commands us to ask our God to admit 
that we need them. So again, like we know this. This is simple stuff, right? Like I shouldn't have to remind us of this. But why do we hesitate in asking God? Like what would keep us from asking God as we move into this new year? Knowing that we got this trouble, knowing that we got this problem, knowing that I need help in this area, like what would prevent me from asking God. You know, the same things that prevented the disciples back then in this miracle story are the same things that we deal with. Let me share these with you real quick. These aren't your message notes. This is just, this is just extra. Reasons we don't ask God. One is we procrastinate. Um, gosh, we do this all the time. We put off dealing with the problem until it's too late. In fact, in this story, if you notice that when I read it, it said, by this time, it was late in the day. Like in this story, like literally the sun is going down. Like everybody could see that this was going to be an issue. Like everybody knew this moment was coming, but nobody wanted to talk about it. Everybody just kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. We do the same thing with our problems, don't we? We delay. We procrastinate. We pretend it doesn't exist. We even look the other way at times, but... Man, it only makes things worse. Let, let me ask you this. What would it be like to start this new year not putting this problem off any longer? Like, what would it be like to start 2023 going into this new year by immediately going to God and asking him and not waiting anymore? The other thing the disciples do is they pass the buck. When it comes to some of the problems in life, we, we like to say, like, it's not my problem. Like, I shouldn't have to worry about this. They, they literally say in this scripture, they're like, just send them all the way. We didn't ask them to come all the way out here, right? Like, this, this shouldn't be our problem. They should go home and feed themselves, knowing that it's going to take forever for them to get back home. They don't want any responsibility for it. And we do this with the problems that we have too. We, we want to pass it off to somebody else. Or we, just want to, we just want to look at these situations that we have and we kind of tiptoe around them and we go, not my problem. When it really is. When it's just kind of lingering. Man, I used to work with somebody that had that as their like mantra for life, not my problem. Like he would always say that, not my problem, not my problem. When he was right, like most of the time it wasn't his problem. But that, that attitude just kind of permeated his life until everything wasn't his problem. And that's how we get sometimes, isn't it? We, we procrastinate, we pass it off, and then the third thing is we worry. Oof, this is me right here. I worry. I hold on to it like a, like a precious little baby or something and just hold on to it so tight and I worry about it and I'm anxious about it. You know, if we, if we prayed about our problems, if we took our problems to God as much as we worried about them, we'd have a whole lot less to worry about. But these disciples, that's what they're doing. They're worrying about this. In fact, one of the disciples is probably Matthew, probably the tax collector. He's, you know, the guy that's good with, uh, with numbers. He's, he's crunching everything in his, in his head. And he actually says, it would take half a year's wages in order to fill you know, this order for all these people. You know, they're probably kicking around ideas like how do we get, like can we order pizza out here? If so, does somebody have a credit card that has that much, you know, limit on it so that we can order? And do we get cheese and pepperoni? Some guys in the back going, I want sausage. And like, great, get some sausage, you know. And they're trying to feed. And meanwhile, I bet like Philip is sitting in the, in the corner like breathing into a paper bag, like hyperventilating, getting all like, 
anxiety attack because that's where I would be, right? Like, how is this going to work? They're like, this is impossible. It can't be done. The crazy thing is in this story, said the whole time, they have forgotten who was with them. Right? Jesus, the Son of God, the God of miracles, the one that could turn stones into bread if he wanted to. And instead of asking him, they're trying to figure out who's going to run to town and get the chicken salad chick, right? And Jesus is right there the whole time. Y'all, maybe that's good for us to remember. Before we write these disciples off and we're like, how could they, how could they not see what was right in front of them? I would say we do this all the time, man. We procrastinate. It's what we're doing going into this new year. We pass the buck. We're trying to pass it off still. Or we just, we're just content to worry about it. And we are forgetting the fact that Jesus is with us. That we serve the God of miracles. So number one, we got to ask him. Have you asked him? Are you asking him? You got to keep asking him. Number two, you got to assess what you have. In other words, you got to take stock of your resources, and I got to ask myself, what, what do I have, and how am I using it? Now, this is what Jesus does in this story, which is kind of funny. He looks around, and he's like, so what do we have? Like, what's here? You know, God, Jesus could have done anything at this point. Like, he could have rained down barbecue sandwiches from heaven if he wanted to, right? That would have been messy. Probably pretty cool, though, right? Um, and the reason I say that he could have done something like this is because of the manna. You remember the manna in the Old Testament? Yeah. God brought that for the Israelites. Jesus could have just done something like that. So why would he ask the disciples, what do you have? You see, I think Jesus wants to start with what we already have. What's been provided by God in the first place. That means what I got to do is I got to take the energy to really just stop and think through all the blessings that God has already provided in my life. And when we take time, when we do that, when we take the time to really think through what he's already given and provided us, man, it turns the situation around because we become more grateful, don't we? You know, when I assess the money that I do have and not what I think I need because of what other people have, when, when I assess the relationships that I do have that are pouring into my life and not what I think I need, when I assess the talent that God has provided me with, you know, when we take the time to really do this and look at what God has provided in our life, we can't help but be grateful for how God has given us so much. And maybe, maybe it's good to just stop every now and then and give him credit. Because when we do that, when we assess what he's already done in our life and what he's already provided, and we see the miracles that he's already worked, because sometimes we forget how God's moved already, right? We forget how God has already provided. But when we do that, we, we have hope for future miracles, seeing how God has already worked in our past before. Let me, let me get back to the story here. So Jesus looks at them and he's like, what do you have? And he looks at the disciples, and he, he looks at one disciple, and he says, you give them something to eat. 
You know, what, what do you have? You give them something to eat. Now imagine Jesus saying this, like, you give them something. Jimmy, you give them something to eat. I'm like, uh, excuse me? You know? I'll be over here for 48 hours making 15,000 sandwiches? Like, what does that even mean? And the disciples, of course, they remind Jesus, this is impossible. It can't be done. So when it comes to this situation, let me, let me say this. God asks them to do the impossible for a reason. Let me, has God ever asked you to do the impossible? In fact, whatever this is that maybe you're taking into this new year, does it seem like it's impossible? Like, does it seem like there's no, you cannot see a way out. You don't know what's going to happen next. And you're worried to death about it. And you're not sure. And you need God to work, but you're like, God, this is, there's just no way. This happens. Sometimes God actually asks us to do the impossible for a reason. And the reason is he wants to stretch us. Sometimes these moments exist so that we can display our faith and show that we really do believe. That we can believe in 2023. In fact, this is so cool. In the book of John, that this same story of feeding the crowd, John includes something else. Check this out. He, Jesus looks at Philip and asks Philip to feed everybody. And in John 6, 6, John says this. He said he only asked Philip to do this to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Now, this is so cool. In other words, Jesus isn't sweating this problem. He's looking at Philip just wanting to see how is Philip going to react in this situation. Like, what is Philip going to do? Like, what's going to be his response? Is he really going to believe? Is he, is he really going to trust Jesus in this moment that looks impossible? Or is he just going to turn and walk away? You see, before... Anybody even knew there was a problem, Jesus had a plan. And here's what that tells me. Before you even knew that this trouble existed, God had a plan. Before you even knew what was coming, before you even know what's ahead in this year and the trouble that you may face that's not even here yet, and the miracle that you don't even know that you need yet, God knows. And he's already ahead of you, and he's already got a plan. The question is, are you going to believe? Are you going to believe in the God of miracles? So, first thing is, I got to ask God. Like, I got to go to Him. I got to remember, Scripture says, I got to keep seeking and keep asking and keep knocking. And then, two, I got to assess what God has given me, be reminded how He's already provided. And then, once I assess what God has given me, Point number three is this, I got to give whatever I have to him. When it comes to this area, when it comes to this trouble, I got to surrender my life. I got to surrender what I have. When I take a minute to assess what God has provided in my life, realizing that he has a plan, that he knows what's, I got to give what I have over to him. And one of the disciples, Andrew, Andrew walks out in the crowd and he finds this little boy that has a sack lunch and and it wasn't much. In fact, I always wonder if when Andrew spoke up, if, if he immediately regretted saying it because it sounded so ridiculous. I wonder if Andrew was like, I found a little boy's lunch. And then he was like, oh, that was stupid. 
Like, why did I say that? They're going to call me Happy Meal for the rest of my life. That was dumb. Do you ever do that? Do you ever say something out loud? And then you're like, did anybody hear me say that? I hope not. I imagine Andrew was probably just like that. But Andrew and this little boy become the heroes, right? And it wasn't because the meal was great. It's because they gave what they had over to Jesus. And let him work. They took it up and they're like, Jesus, this is all yours. You see, here's what I need you to understand. Once you assess what you've been given, and once you bring it to God, God will use, he will use whatever you give him. Check this out. In the story of Mark 6, it says this. So taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. Now here's what I think happened. I think each time somebody took a piece of the bread out of the basket, another piece was still there. Now, this is not theologically correct, but I picture it like Mary Poppins' bag. Do you remember Mary Poppins' bag? Do y'all remember that? She comes in and blows the kids away. She's like, she lays, and she pulls a lamp out of it, right? And all the kids are like, whoa. I wonder how many kids are like looking at the bottom of the basket when it goes by, like, whoa, how is this possible? Every time somebody takes it out, it is still there. And people keep sharing the food that never went away. It's a miracle. All because they gave what they had to Jesus. Now, I remember when we started this church, um, not only not having anything starting this church, but not even having a home for my family. And I don't know if you know this or not, but in the Methodist church, they provide parsonages, which is a whole unique experience um, anyway. But that's a whole other conversation for another day. But when we started this church, there wasn't not only a church building, but there was not a home for our family. And so we got out there, and not only did we start building a team of people that would start the church, but we also started looking for a place to live. And when we did, we found a place to live. We, we looked at what we had, we assessed the situation, and what we did was we gave it to God. God, here's our home. Here's what we have. We're going to give you what we have. You know, we've got a new start, a new opportunity a new year, the year was 2010, we're moving into this new year, we got this trouble, don't know what to do, but we're asking you, we're asking you, God, because we have no idea what the plan is, we have no idea what you're going to do in this situation, so we're going to keep seeking and keep knocking, and we assess what we have, we have a home, so here it is, and we lay it at his feet. And in that home, in our home, is where God started this new church family. A miracle when you think about it. You see, what we learn from Scripture is that when we give what we have to God, He will use it. And then the last point I want to bring up is that we need to expect God to multiply whatever we give Him. Because that's how it works in Scripture. The, the little boy brings the meal to Jesus. And, and, and what it says happens next is that it says they were all ate and they were satisfied. Everybody there... 5,000 people ate and were satisfied. 
So, so where, when I was thinking about this, like, where are you not satisfied in life? Like, where are you not satisfied moving into this new year? Like, where could things be better in 2023? Is it with your time? Maybe as you look into this new year, that's the troubled spot. Like, I'd like more time. Maybe, maybe you'd be more satisfied if you gave what you had over to God because he'll multiply it. You know, is it money? Again, if you give what you have over to God, he promises to multiply. How about relationships? Maybe you're not giving that area of your life over to him and fully surrendering it and watching him multiply it. Here's, here's what you need to know. Whatever we give to God, he'll do that. In fact, the story goes on to say that the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. I wonder... I wonder if the disciples gave all of that leftovers to the little boy who brought the sack lunch. And they were like, here. And he took that home to his mom. And he was like, mom, lunch is on me for the next month. <laughs> all of that leftover. Right? And truth is, that's what God does. As you move into this new year, let me share this principle with you. There's this principle in scripture that we read over and over and over again. It's called sowing and reaping. Okay, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Whatever you give to God, you're going to reap even more. Okay, so let's break that. And that, that works both negative and positive. That, that means this, that if you sow or give criticism, it most likely means you're going to get criticized. But on the positive side, if you sow and give encouragement, you're going to be encouraged. Like if you sow and give time to others, what you're going to find is that God will multiply the time that you have. Same thing as money and reputation. This principle of the sowing and reaping can be applied to those areas of life where you need God to work. And the reason God does this is because God wants us to be givers. And the reason he wants us to be givers is because that's who God is. You can't outgive God. God is a giving God. John 3:16 says, "For God so loved the world that he what? He gave." Like that's what he does. He gives and not only does he give, but he gives everything that he has. He gave his one and only son. You see, you give what you have to God, you always receive more in return. So God is like you want to see your miracle, you want to see me move, you want to see me work in this area of your life, in this new year, surrender what you have and watch, watch what he does with it. So with all that being said, what have we learned this morning? When it comes to 2023, I, I don't know what you brought in here today. I, I don't know what trouble is lingering in your life. I, I don't know where you need to see your miracle. I don't, I don't know where you need to see God at work. But we have to ask him. We have to assess what we've been given. We have to surrender it to him. And if we do, he'll multiply it. I do know that we serve a God of miracles. The question is, are you going to believe in 2023? Let's pray together. God, I just thank you so much for the opportunities that you provide everybody who seek after you. 
God, I, I don't know what the problems are that everybody is facing, God. I don't know what those lingering situations are that we're carrying into a new year. But I do know that there are many of us in this room today that need you to work in our lives. God, some of us would go so far as to say, I need a miracle in this area and in this way. And God, this morning, we we put that before you because we believe that you can do it. So God, help us remember to keep asking, to keep seeking, and to keep knocking when it comes to bringing our trouble to you. And God, when when we do this, we, we promise to give you what we have. When we give it over to you, when we give our lives, when we give you this situation, God, we're going to have faith to believe that you can multiply it, that you can work in this. And when you do, when, 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 when you move, God, and when you work, God, we'll be sure to give you all the glory. Jesus, we love you. We give you everything we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.